0: now it's true wealth presented by little john financial services here is david little john with true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen
1: I just wanted to wait for that little guitar riff you're drowned drowned. like welcome to the true well show ladies and gentlemen dave little john in studio with matt dixon and uh we making sure our phones are set to stun instead of kill right now which means uh we will turn the ringers off but some of you out there listening, I know you still light me up with texts during the show. And every now and then somebody will say something so ridiculous, it will effectively throw me off. And Have like, you ever oh, just like
0: busted up laughing? Like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. And then everyone else. Well, I like, well, I don't read them until randomly. the break, but oh, yes, okay.
1: I've been derailed or I've had, or I've, I've I've done a calculation wrong or something where, oh, you know, it's like this, 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 is, And they call me like, that is not how that goes. I'm like, oh, man, I did it on the fly and messed it up. So all you're live. saying
0: we're not supposed to trust your mental math while live on air. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that uh, in, in my defense, that happened like seven years ago. I don't even but, know
0: how you do it because I'm, I get to sit here and hear you say the numbers. And I'm like, most of the time, you're spot on. So
1: it's yeah, well, you know, it's it's. A radio thing. I don't know. It's it's skill. I, this, this is my Raw favorite skill. time of the week, though. I I'm super. I love when we get to get on the radio, talk to our listeners. Uh, you know, I do get feedback from folks that they're listening in, and it's a chance to just share all kinds of fun stuff, all right? And the <laughs> here's the thing: it's hard to say fun right now. Okay, I am going to do my best to be an optimist on the show here today and give everybody some let's call them reasons for hope right but let's get real for a moment too right let's not pollyanna this thing the world is not ideal well what's really weird i was thinking about this when we were here last tuesday
0: russia ukraine i mean it was talked about like we suspected things were going to happen but this is what day five and it's been yeah. a full seven days since we've been on the show,
1: right? And yeah. it's, a, it's amazing. Well, here's the, the world really amazing turned. part, though, right? Uh, if you look at the markets compared to a week ago, oh my gosh, yeah,
0: they're right? a full whopping two uh, whole t- points higher High. on the SP, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, we uh actually the lowest print we've seen happened in January, yeah, right? When, when the markets initially slid into January, the low print. Was then now that's not to say that we won't go back and revisit uh, a price point that low, but history would suggest different outcomes than what a lot of people may expect when you have massive. Uh, here's because there was the air quotes around it. Ready geopolitical event, right? Mm. Which is really air quotes because it, nasty event, right? It's maybe not happening here on our soil, but. The Russia invasion of Ukraine is sad no matter how you slice it and it's complicated because of history but it's uncomplicated in terms of the human impact right when people are being hurt or killed and lives are being uprooted and homes are being destroyed and uh, areas are being decimated because of war mm-hmm. that's bad period right I don't care you know, who feels morally justified or not? It's it's just not the right way to solve this stuff. And history has proven that, you know, you you sacrifice a bunch of lives, and then at the end, what do you do? You clean up the mess, and you, you know, it would have been a lot better to not make the mess and mm. figure out a different way to clean it up. Yeah. So, here we are. And the assumption is that you're gonna have a war, and it's gonna blow up everything, right? Like, the all of a sudden, the economy and the stock market; everything's going to crater, right? That was a, I mean, a pretty big reaction by a lot of folks, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I will admit to having similar emotional knee-jerk reactions at, at first. The the difference where I may get to operate compared to a lot of our listeners, and Matt, you now are operating in this space too, is as a financial professional. It, it, there's a certain I'm we'll call it a clinical detachment. I think it's a healthy clinical approach. It's not really detachment. We feel the same emotions all of our customers and our investors and all of you out there listening feel when things get nasty. Right? We really do. But the training changes your behaviors and that's there's there's all kinds of studies around the behavioral responses to emotional triggers in the marketplace and how it can impact both good or bad, but mostly bad. Investors Right? It yeah makes, if you get too emotional it, it can really can... make decisions worth it and what did i say i mean i was teasing with you as you're walking in the studio i said what is the stock market oh you had a good term for it um it's the ultimate gaslighter.
0: that's right right yes
1: it's you know gaslighting is this idea of basically you know lying to somebody's face something that you know to not be true mm-hmm. but you know they tell you it's true and it's like I think I'm going crazy here because I, I, I feel like I believe him, even though I know it's wrong. And the markets can really do that, right? Make um, you
0: believe one thing when it's really doing another.
1: Yeah. And so it goes down and then it goes back up. And people think it's going to be the end of the world. And then it's not the end of the world. I mean, in my career, I don't know how many times people have told me, oh, it's just going to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. And then when I asked them, I was like, well, what is that? Like, where do you expect that to be? I don't know, it's just going lower. So, well, how much lower? I, lower, right? Well, can you give me a percent? Can you give me a number? And then invariably, it's something that's, you know, a number pulled out of a hat. hmm Right? I mean, there, there's no justification for it. It's just, well, my emotions tell me it's going to get worse than it is right now. And and so it's going to get way worse. It's that innate nature to, like,
0: protect yourself, right? I think yeah. that's what it comes from. Oh, like, it's, it's I have to truth. protect fight fight. myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but 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 the assessment is like, you know, well, what's going on there? There's a boogeyman in the closet. That's all I know. <laughs> like, have you looked in the closet? Heck, no. A boogeyman yeah. in there. I just got a feeling. <laughs> exactly. You know, or he's under the bed. It's something. It's not going to be good. Right? And the the interesting thing about it is the data is pretty compelling. That twelve months after massive geopolitical events, markets tend to be higher. Mm-hmm. Right, and I was just doing some research. We actually just uh, have an email that's going out, and I think 29 geopolitical events in the last hundred years, and 85 percent of the time, 12 months or more, uh, more than 85 percent of the time in 12 months, the markets were higher. Something, right. some, something silly. And I'm not going to give you the exact stat. I'm going to make it up on air because you know 87 percent of statistics are made up on on the spot. So, uh, or at least that one was. So, 100 <laughs> percent of that last statistic was invented. We, what but it, what's not invented is that uh, in the last decade or so or or two decades we've had some serious events like the the Iraq war invasion or mm-hmm. when we had uh, the financial crisis with Greece or we've had uh, other uh, other I- I invasion style events that have resulted in ultimately markets being higher 12 months later yeah and it, we do have interesting things as investors to discuss i think we should probably talk about some of that on the show today because for for all of you out there trying to figure out how do i put my emotions uh, how how do i keep them in check and what do i do again if if you're the one that is going to just set it and forget it and like you know what 20 years from now i don't care good for you sleep well at night and and not don't worry about it a lot of people are not there yet but part of my goal for this program is to help you get grounded in data so that we can come back to this point and kind of remember this. Because keep in mind, a week ago, 2304 for the S&P, was that where we were? Yeah, we were at forty three. Four, yeah, 43. 4304,
0: and today we're at 4306. And right. there was a big lull in there because we got all the way down, I don't think it was last week, but maybe the week before, what, 4150?
1: I don't think it was. I think it got 41.50. Well, intraday it may have. Yeah. And then it climbed really aggressively. Yeah. Yeah. And if we look back in January, it got even lower. That's the interesting thing is we've had now where it really got wild is in the futures marketplace. Oh,
0: I remember that. Yeah.
1: And this is actually kind of important.
0: Yeah, because okay. the futures were down there one day, like two and a
1: half percent. Two, Yeah, one like almost 2.7, like 2.67 was the extreme level at one time. And so what we're going to do... So the futures markets, you actually... If, if you've never heard about this, I want to give you all a little bit of insight. We're going to take, take uh, some of the... We're going to pull the curtain back a little bit to talk about what some of the tools are that professionals look at and some things that are very interesting uh, and and we're gonna so we're gonna talk about what what the futures market does, and then a couple of things that it may be hinting at right now that as investors may help you sleep at night. Okay. But we do have to take our first obscene profit break of the show. So there we go. I hear the music. Uh, we'll be right back. And so here's how the new one goes. Stick around because we'll be right back. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM. And twelve forty KQEN. Do you remember the actual day? Like, like uh, it's it already feels like a lifetime to me in such short. Sorry, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. This is Dave Littlejohn in studio with
0: Matt Dixon.
1: And I'm I'm gonna look this up right now because so when it's did, been when, five days I yeah. believe
0: today's day five so
1: uh, I'm looking at, so when did the invasion start February 24th and so that was we're looking at market days and that would have been the low so that was last Thursday yeah the invasion was formally Thursday the intraday low for the S and P got down to 41 14 65. and we actually uh, now this is. We did start putting a little cash to work at that point. Yeah, we did. Um, and then we had Friday followed higher. Uh, Monday, op- we finished lower than than Friday's close, but the, the, the de- balance of the day had opened lower but finished higher, but the day was negative. And then today, same story is it kind of bled off a little bit, and we finished lower, but we're still at 4,306. The last time we saw a real low watermark on that was on Monday, the 24th of January where intraday got down to 42.22. So it's interesting that we're still above those that low point that we saw in January, mm-hmm. late January, and here we are on the 1st of March. Uh, I can't really tell you where the future of the market is going any more than the next person.
0: Right, I mean, right? everyone can, the best they can do is guess.
1: What, what I can tell you is that, There are some things that suggest that are interesting that the market has suggested right now Um, a lot of the technical patterns that we look at suggest that we may be close to what's called a support level Mm -hmm. okay and it just means that investors are starting to look at the price point here and say it's attractive i I, it's on sale Mm -hmm. it may get onto a better sale from here but they're starting to deploy cash Capital that's available. They're saying mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's time to start nibbling at these prices, and selective. Uh, this is where stock picking is different than just buying an index fund. Right. But even index funds, you're looking at the S and P 500 is more than 10 percent off of its highs. The highs being set. If I'm looking at this correctly, it was January 4th was the high water market, just over 80 or 4800. 4804 was the intraday high. I'm sorry, 4818 was the intraday high. And now we're seeing more than a 10% pullback, so official correction territory. Yep. Right. Interestingly enough, if we were to look at the NASDAQ, which is a much more tech-heavy index, it officially crossed into bear market territory um, intraday. It didn't stay there, which is very fascinating. It didn't stay there. It gets so close. But in the middle of the day, it opened in bear market territory on the 24th and then it it promptly moved up from there, and it's been up until today, It, it declined a little bit. But why are we talking about this?
0: Well, we left our listeners hanging on this question of what are futures, how do we look at them, and how do they affect everything?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about farms. Farms, from futures to farms. It makes sense. Okay. Trust me, okay? Matt, I have a farm. And you would like me to grow stuff for you on the farm. Okay. Right, I have land, and I'm capable of doing this. Really, I should be talking to my buddy Evan about this. He's better. But uh, let's say that uh, what crop are we going to grow? We're going with corn. Corn. We're going to grow some corn. I don't know. I mean, well, we grow corn around here, all right? Yeah. So we're going to grow corn. And what's going to happen is you really want to have an idea what you're gonna pay for this corn. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't want to come to me and say, "Hey, David, why don't you grow me this corn?" And, and then somehow and then magic at the end aid. of it, I'm gonna come back and say, "Great. Well, you know, you we we have, you figure you're used to paying X dollars per uh, acre, but come harvest time, I tell you, yeah, it's gonna be two X per acre. Yeah,
0: my thousand dollars an acre is two thousand. Ouch.
1: And, and you and you you're finding yourself going, that is not what I had in mind. But I kind of go, well, yay for me, right? If you Mm -hmm. want it, you're your hostage, this is what it takes. Not only that, but we had a contract where you have to pay me for it. Okay, well, you wouldn't do that. What you would do is say, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy the crop ahead of time based on the future value of the crop. Now, you are at risk that a famine comes along or a disease or something that destroys the crop or that you have a banner crop, maybe it's an above average yield and so you get a whole bunch and that means that you come out ahead for the money that you put Mm -hmm. into this. You are carrying the risk because you've set the price before the harvest. Right. You've just created a future contract for corn.
0: And you're saying the stock markets do the exact same thing. stock markets
1: do this too. Now, it turns out along the way you have, let's say, let's pick on somebody else in our office. Let's say that... Uh, the growing season, we got six months. And three months into it, the crop's underway. It looks pretty good. And you decide to sell your futures contract to Justin in our office. Okay. Okay? Now, if the if it looks like the, the crop is going to be a, a banner crop, you might be able to sell your future for more than you paid for it. Yeah. Which would mean that the forward-looking value... Is higher than the original value you anticipated, so you would be in essentially what we would call a contango position, right? Your your forward va- that value sounds looks, like a dance move. Looks, it does, right? Your forward value it looks better than your your current position. Okay, if it were the other way around, where it looked like it, the future value would be lower than the current value of your contract, we'd be in contango. Okay, so it's backwards or not contang- contango backwardation. So contango is when when the future value is better when when the present price is uh, if a futures is lower than the current trading value, well, this is where mm-hmm. it matters in the markets. So, but basically, you're going to trade your corn futures mm-hmm. one way, right? Because you, you you know you you can't collect them until harvest. So you and Justin are going to agree on a price based on what the crop looks like. It's going to be stock market's different because you can create a futures market for the stocks, and you say, well, let's say it's one quarter from now. We're going to say a quarter from now we believe the future value will be this. We expect it to be delivered at this price, but I can see the price while we're going, too, right? Mm -hmm. So if the value of the futures contract is higher than the current value that the stock market is trading for, we expect the stock market to go up in value into the future. So that's trading in contango. But if the current futures value is lower than the current trading value of the market, you're in backwardation. That's what matters. So
0: break this down because you were saying that futures were really low here a couple of days ago. Like
1: Yeah, in the so n- two different parts to the futures market that are being discussed here. So let's put aside the concept of backwardation and contango first, and let's just talk about volatility in the futures markets. Okay. Overnight, over the weekend, we saw S&P 500 futures down almost 2.7% at their worst. And then on Monday for the S&P 500, what was the actual trading range?
0: That's a good question.
1: Well, the actual trading range, the market's opened at 3554. They traded as high as 3388, which is, you know, about 34 points higher. They traded as low as 43.15, which is what, about 30 what, 29 points lower. So less than 1%, plus or minus, on that trade for the day. Mm-hmm. And it ultimately finished at 43.73. So it finished. It opened at 43.54, finished at 43.73. So it actually finished So it finished, finished higher. positive, yeah. Even though it was lower than Friday's close, it finished mm-hmm. higher than it opened.
0: So the futures kind of got it wrong, almost.
1: Well, did they?
0: That's the question.
1: Right? Did they? Because the range was lower, but Mm -hmm. today it extended a little bit deeper. Like Mm. the the range fell a little bit more and extended a little deeper today. Now, from Friday's price, the extreme, if we fell 2.7%, would be all the way down to about, looks like 42.65 or so. And right now, the low today, was 42.79. If the futures actually told us something, it would suggest that intraday tomorrow, the markets may actually go down to about the 42.65 level before looking for a support level and moving higher again. Mm -hmm. Please, everybody listening, I'm not giving you investment advice or trading advice right now. We're just talking about the way the markets often behave. And so just be aware. That's, I don't want you to think this is trading advice, but the, the interesting part was over the weekend when the, when the stock market is not open and trading, people trading futures are looking at future values. and so what it did was it was starting to set up a range if you will, mm-hmm. that can give you some parameters of short-term expectation. And we haven't filled that whole range yet. We have been creeping our way down in that range, right right? So maybe the futures didn't necessarily get it wrong. Now the real issue is if the current futures price is higher than the current market price, then that tells us markets are in contango, right? But if the futures price is lower than present, that implies that the the, expectation is for markets to continue down further, right? So we look at not only the range, but we look at that backward Asia or contango scenario to try to get a sense of where is the trend of the market carrying it, okay? That's why we care about the futures. But notice the futures didn't actually produce, and like the the, the market did its own thing. The futures don't make the markets do something. They give you an indication of how institutional players are positioning themselves. And oftentimes it's institutional players in other markets, right? It may be European markets, it may be Asian markets that are trading in off hours positioning themselves because they use the US dollar a lot too so they may be hedging or they may be trying to do some kind of arbitrage with between currencies and stock markets right but it's interesting because it did sort of tip you know it's like it flashed its hand a little bit and said keep on the lookout for these sorts of things and then what you can start to piece together as an investor is the context clues and these really are trading tools by the way they're not investor tools at this point but the trader would look at that and say we saw this behavior but then we saw something else actually occur in the marketplace where is the disconnect in the data and does the disconnect imply that things are going to go against the grain or Mm -hmm. with the grain of the expectation, right? And so you start to set up some theses around how you can trade that account. And again, don't go being a day trader, that's silliness, but uh, that's a lot of what is going on with these markets.
0: I think what you also just kind of showed was how difficult it really is to time the market. Because we get that a lot, like, hey, you know, let's buy it when it's really, really low, and just time it perfectly and make a bunch of money when it goes up and you're sh- i mean what you just showed is really well, the difficulty yeah. in trying to be that perfect time because there's so much at play
1: well and let's keep in mind too we're talking about the S&P 500 we haven't even talked about the underlying holdings of the S&P 500 mm-hmm. which are cap weighted right which means that the biggest companies are going to carry a heavier weighting than the smaller companies and so how they perform is going to matter more and then We can look at some other elements in the market and and let's talk about since we're on the futures let's talk about one other element that i think is really relevant now i'm not going to take credit for this one matt you brought this to me and i think it was a really interesting point Uh, for those of you that ever watch uh, mad money on cnbc and jim Mm kramer he had a guest on that was a a quantitative analyst and he pointed out um the futures on the vix right right now remember vix if we've Okay, your eyes are rolling back in your head. Just keep it simple.
0: Volatility index. Yeah,
1: that's what it means. It means volatility index. And here's what you care about, right? Let's get the geek speak out of the way. Like, What you care about is when the VIX is high, markets tend to be volatile. Mm -hmm. And when the VIX is low, they tend to be less volatile. Doesn't mean they're not going to be volatile because what does the VIX measure? Okay, you guys ready to just like have your eyes roll back in your head like, don't do that if you're driving, okay? Like, don't let your eyes roll back in your head. Uh, so be aware, right? Take a breath. Stay with me. Um, when you're talking about the volatility index, it's measuring options pricing. Now, remember, an option is an op? It's the ability to buy or sell a stock at a specific price for a specific amount of time. Mm-hmm. What you really care about is like, look, if you could buy a stock to, like, if you buy the right to buy a stock today, and then it went up in value fifty percent in the next week, but you could buy it at today's price, that's worth something, right? Just the right to buy it. Yeah. and if you could sell that right to somebody else you could profit on it because they could turn around and buy the stock for cheap and then instantly have it be worth more than they paid for it so it's like locking in a sale price for a period of time and that's what options can do it's like locking in your sale price well if the price goes up and you've got a sale price locked in you it works out if you have a sale price locked in and the price drops below your sale price that eh, didn't work out right now you're out the money mm-hmm. so that's kind of what options are for and the vix is a way to measure that The harder, the less predictable the market is, the more expensive it costs to buy an option, right? Something Mm -hmm. called implied volatility. If it gets really expensive, the VIX goes up in value. And basically what that, this is, here's the link in the chain, right? The futures markets for the S&P 500s give us a sense of what the range is and what people's behavior is based on future expectations. And in the underlying holdings, we can get a sense of whether or not people think that the price is very stable, by how much it costs to buy options, and we can get a picture of that through the volatility index. Yeah. And now with those two pieces of data, we can get a sense of, well, where might the trend be evolving? And what we're seeing is the VIX is pretty expensive right now, but the VIX futures, because you know, believe it or not, you can buy a contract, and the futures of the VIX are in, get ready for it, backwardation. Right? Oh, you looped it together. <laughs> Look at all how like, you did it. And so everybody's going, I don't know what he just said, but let me, again, I'll break it down for We're you. We're going to spark note this the, thing for you. The. The volatility index says that the current price is more expensive than the expected price in the future, which tells us volatility is high today, but the market thinks it's gonna be lower in the future, which also tells us it kind of lines with what we're seeing, right? We don't quite know how to make sense of Ukraine and Russia and this whole war thing and what it's gonna to do to the economy, but what we think is over the next few weeks, we're gonna get some clarity and volatility is gonna come out of the market. So if that ends up being true, we might start seeing some price stability and we might start to see this market find a base price and look for a higher price in the future yeah now i told you all that to tell you this we got a bunch more to talk about, but we got to take a break. Uh, okay, all right, stick around, gang. Where I promise that's as deep into the weeds as we're gonna weed. The, the way the rest is gonna get easier, but we got to take a break first. Uh, this is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon, and you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, King. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. It's the greatest show you've heard all Tuesday. Best Tuesday you've had all week. I know it, right? Stoked that you were joining us. And uh, I've been informed by um, most of the groans on the radio that that last segment was too many numbers. Ah. Uh. They're well, just, you know what? I'm getting some, that sense, right? Some Too many numbers. math
0: nerd out there like myself was just eating it up. So
1: it's well, it is radio. So maybe we'll do a better job of drawing pictures in your mind instead of using numbers. Uh, and honestly, I don't know that. Other than I find it terribly interesting personally what we see going on, uh, but the the, the takeaway of all of this is that. Uh, there's still a lot of unknowns to this market certainly there could be more downside from here but you know what is undisputed so far in history
0: that markets end up eventually winning yeah. Like i mean the you stock can market beat them is, down keeps, keeps
1: going up i mean it is like they're the, the boxer that you champion. can't knock out yeah uh how many times has the s p 500 gone on to new all-time highs answer every one of them Mm-hmm. right i mean until it doesn't i suppose but right now i i want to bet on the undefeated champion so you
0: you bet on floyd mayweather then <laughs>
1: <laughs> well he, i i we already talking? i look back to the what the call mcgregor thing and i was like he did win yeah <laughs> you know so um Unde- i know right it's like, i know but the guy could box what yeah. can you say this is legit all right so Man,
0: I'm just getting us more into the weeds. We we were already in the weeds, and
1: yeah, and I'm gonna go with the royal we on that one because I was in the weeds. How Again. do we how do we
0: fix this?
1: So we're gonna get back to home base for investors, which I think is don't worry about it if you're if you're not trading. Don't worry about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? You could see how. Here's the thing. You know what trading is? It's sexy. Ooh. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what makes bitcoin so interesting to people right now? Profit. Yeah. I mean, it's gone up a ton and so people like it it's this siren that calls to people. And you know what? There are some people out there that are making big money in it. Uh but here's the thing, they are risking big money in it. Yeah. Right? And so it's it's interesting to see how these people they they, they they operate in kind of a what we call financial logical fallacies too. They'll say things like, "Well, I only put a little bit of money in, so I'm playing with the house's money." No, you are not. That's you your that money. Run, yeah, right? you are putting your money at risk now. It doesn't work that way, right? This this idea of mental siloing that's mental rationalization. It's not. It doesn't make it true. It just makes it rational in your mind so that you can justify doing it. So. Don't get, don't sneak into that trap. But it it is sexy. Oh my gosh! I mean, when something goes up 20 percent in two days, the idea of like, man, if I would have bought it, golly, well, you know, what if I'd have put ten thousand dollars in there? It'd be worth, you know, fifteen thousand dollars in a week. Yeah. And you just think, man, I I really want to do that. But what you don't see is that ten thousand dollars could be worth seven thousand dollars in two weeks too.
0: Or, yeah. Or like, I mean, look at Vroom today. It went down forty six percent. Oof. In one day. Oof. So, car so, delivery service. Oof.
1: Right. Yikes. Well, didn't a cargo ship full of cars go down while we're at it?
0: Yeah. That was a crazy thing in the news. Like, I think the ship was estimated to have 4,000 cars on it. And a lot of them were EVs. And they're suspecting that the batteries, or a battery on one of the vehicles, had a malfunction, caught the car on fire, caught all the other cars on fire, and... They put the fire out, but 13 days later it sinks. They were trying to stabilize it. They got the fire out, but it burnt for a long time and.
1: No good.
0: Yeah. So if no you, deaths
1: on that one, as I recall. I
0: don't think so, but I know that uh, if you had a carbine brought in from Europe on that ship, you might have to wait Tough a break. little bit longer.
1: Tough break. Well, it, it's interesting because that is relevant to. You know, what do we see in the economy? You've asked a question about, you know, is, does the market go down from here? And, uh, you know, my answer is the market will go down or up from here.
0: And 100% of the time, well,
1: actually, it could go sideways. It could go sideways. Uh, but but six months from now, I, I find that unlikely. Yeah. My, my sense is that we have, there are a lot of things that are really strong economically. I mean, companies are backlogged with orders, right? Mm-hmm. And so, that you have the tale of two different events, right? The supply chain disruption, including the energy supply chain, is driving the price of everything up to the point of demand destruction, okay? But I don't know where that threshold is. What do I mean by that term?
0: Yeah, it, you want to explain that for everyone so they get a clear picture of yeah. what demand destruction looks like?
1: It's an economics term. Remember, there's two things that drive price, supply and demand, and demand destruction is exactly like it sounds when you break it down. It's like, oh well, we used to have this many people willing to pay like like for gasoline. How high does the ga- the price of gasoline have to go before? Before your I start walking changes? to work. <laughs> yeah. Before your behavior changes, right? Where you stop taking the extra trips and the Sunday drives or it, it changes your behavior. Yeah. Right? And at some point it does, right? If gasoline were to be a hundred dollars a gallon we'd have a lot more bike riders right? out of necessity. And you know what riding your bike is in economic terms? Substitution. That's the actual term. It's like, well, we still have a need to be solved, but we can't do it at that price point anymore because it's no longer economically viable. So we will substitute something that functions. And then we will also have what we call creative destruction, but that's different than economic destruction. Creative destruction is when industries break down and then somebody else comes along. and Or, or it's when, when somebody else solves something and it destroys something else, right? The automobile destroyed the horse and buggy. Creative destruction. Mm-hmm. So uh, my mm-hmm. sense is that there will always be people that will find ways to solve the problems in creative ways. The, the rumor that there's no work to be had, like if we just roboticize everything and there'll be no jobs, I think that's a load of hogwash.
0: Oh absolutely. You right. can get a job. Like right like now AI easily. never
1: takes place of humans. It may take place of the menial tasks and things, but like AI is not going to create art the way an artist will put emotion into it, right? AI is not going to necessarily create new industries and new values that never existed before. Right? Cuz cuz when those jobs disappear, you know what we'll do? We'll find new and creative ways to fill the void. Humans are remarkably resourceful in that way. That's true. So I don't really worry about that end result. You know, I'm more worried about things like, uh, you know, I don't really want Skynet. (laughs) You know, (laughs) let's not. not, It's even though the the I have a different take on artificial intelligence than most, right? Because you want to know what I learned. You want to hear funny but true thing about AI? Sure. Facebook was exploring with this at one time and a couple others, they, were, they had AI that had some, it developed its own little shortcut communication language. And then a couple of different AIs interacting with each other started to develop their own language. And so they shut it down because they weren't sure where it was going. But they, they developed different ways to, to shortcut things because they were using them all the time. So AI was just like, well, this is easier. We'll just do this. Hmm. So it actually developed sort of its own simplified language. But here's the other one. Uh, they, they found different AIs that were being used to try to game the marketplace for yeah. the stock market. And they didn't collaborate with each other for efficiency. They got more human. They started to compete with each other all the way down to AI systems would spoof orders to try to entice another system into a, ba- a behavior that they could exploit. Really? Yeah. So it wasn't Skynet. It was the opposite. It was like rock'em sock'em robots. That's funny. <laughs> so I thought that that was sort of comforting to think that well we didn't really organize into the Matrix. It was more like we you know the computers started vying for supremacy and maybe one of them would win and then it became Skynet. But I don't know.
0: I kind of wish they would have let those two computers continue on, just to see like what language we end up with. Like if they keep shortening things and finding acronyms for stuff. I mean, what would they eventually develop? Maybe we could learn something from it.
1: I don't. I don't know. But uh, all kinds of neat things that AI can do. I mean, things like uh, here's another real example. Um, It took an artificial intelligence algorithm to optimize antennas for tiny Wi-Fi devices, right? So if you want to optimize the way a, a Wi-Fi device receives a signal to, to, mm-hmm. to make sure that it works well, they actually had, rather than doing trial and error designs, mm-hmm. they set up algorithms that would try different configurations and just cycle through all of them until it found the most efficient configuration for the parameter. And then they could design and build that and test it, and it worked super well.
0: What a statement to the ingenuity and intelligence of mankind. Really like for us to be able to think of how to do that. Well, and like anything
1: in computer land, artificial intelligence doesn't necessarily mean it thinks like a human. Now, computers are getting more and more sophisticated and getting into some of these new um, like neural network or quantum computing style uh, models. That's a whole next level that I don't really understand, but I'm fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think I'm ready to have a chip planted in my brain. I'll go that far. But it's really interesting to see how computers can be used as tools to help us, and, and largely that's what they do, right? And then we have cyber attacks and other stuff that gets all you know ridiculous and, and just blows it for the whole team, right? Yeah. OK. well, speaking of cyber attacks, looks like we got to take one last break ah. before we get back here um i'm gonna allow i guess we have a silver lining discussion but uh um, hey. that has to wait until this very important profit message stick around we'll be right back this is dave little john and matt dixon and you are a true wealth on news radio 93.9 fm and 1240 kqen Hey, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show. If you're just joining us, don't forget that this thing is all podcasted, and everything but the second segment is awesome, right? And if you want to know what happened to the second segment, I guess you'll have to check it out. You can go to uh, iTunes, check out, uh, look for True Wealth, right? True mm-hmm. Wealth Radio Show. And uh, it's also on our webpage at littlejohnfs.com. And I don't actually personally, I think the second segment I thought it was the really interesting stuff, but if you're a listener and you like, no, no numbers, you're going to go, like, well, what numbers? And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm going to leave it as close to a cliffhanger as possible. And you're either get there and go, like, man, that was really something, or you're going to go, like, man, that was really something. I think they something. just
0: need to have a pen and paper ready to go, and they need to have their finger on the pause button and just, like, pause, play,
1: pause, play, and, and write it all down. Have, and then they'll get the whole. Contangle and backwardation in futures, and you're good. Mm-hmm. So. Matt, in all of this, what are the in the middle of a chaotic world mm-hmm. where the uh, you know the markets are uncertain, our futures uncertain, we're going to listen to a state of the union address where we'll be told that everything's glorious, yep. but a lot of people don't buy it, right? I mean like yeah. and, and and we'll be told a lot of things where let's let's face it, like the information that we hear is hard to trust these days. Right. right? How's it podcasters are getting more trust than, than a lot of news sources right now. And, and my sense is it's because the agenda is not hidden, right? Hey, really? I mean, like our agenda is pretty obvious on this show. Look, we're here to educate you. Okay. And to give you some entertainment, some understanding of the markets. And then we, we very lightly plug the fact that we have a business interest in this. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if, you need financial help and you don't have an advisor that you're already working with you can reach out to us right so this is a this is an outreach this is a this is a paid advertisement program but in a sense isn't it comforting to know that we can just come right out and say that yeah you know and and part of what we do is we give away a lot of this information because you're smart right you don't hire somebody because, they are smarter than you you hire them because they're specialized and because you run out of hours in the day to do everything and there are other things you'd rather do right if you love investing go do it yourself right i don't love changing my own oil i know how to do it but i hire somebody because i can do the investing for other people which i do love mm. right so that's that's why we do this stuff but yeah so tonight we'll have this State of the Union address, and I'm sure we're gonna to be told, no, no, all these things are good. And then we're gonna wonder about like, well, do we have to wear the mask or not? Right? Or do we have to do this or that? And there's well, no, no, we don't need the mask anymore because you know, all the information is free change. And go, well, when did it change? Oh, probably months ago, but you know, whenever we say it changed. Right. And then you go, okay, ding ding ding. The little mask trust magic issue. Fairy wand. Yeah. Right? Trust issue because we never said like even if at some point we said listen we're asking you to wear the mask because the science is not super well determined yet but we'd rather err on the side of caution so we're going to do this and we'll keep giving you more research and learn and a lot more people at some point would i mean there's going to be some that are just defiant right but there's a lot less virtue signaling when you say it's not that we know everything it's that we don't know enough so we're going to do this as our solution okay that's actually easier to buy into for me a little bit of honesty goes a long ways well the government is supposed to be by the people right I mean isn't that the challenge even of the markets right now I mean, the challenge is not what we know it's what we don't know mm-hmm. and the and the and the issue is that a lot of time there's stuff that we perceive to be inside information and some people get access to it early and that's cheating right If we all get the same opportunity set that's not cheating anymore that's just Go do what you can with the information you got. But I don't like cheaters in the market. So there you go. I know, right? So let's take the moral high ground
0: here. Well, the, you were sticking to silver lining, though. So what's the silver lining in all of this?
1: That unless capitalism disappears, mm-hmm. uh, in which case, you know, hi, comrade, otherwise <laughs> the markets win. It's true. Right? Long-term capitalism does it abhors market exploits? It works them out of the system, and it seeks the highest return for capital, right? So the markets will do what they will do. Now, the highest return for capital oftentimes has to get you know restrained a little bit so that it doesn't harm others. Mm-hmm. But ethical capitalism, we've talked about a lot, right? That is, it seeks the highest return on capital without harming others. By
0: the way, that term we coined has stuck because I've heard multiple people use it now.
1: Yeah. well it's real well it's not just ours right well but but we, we have t-shirts it? yeah we have so, t-shirts so because they're cool. good enough exactly so anyway that's that's my goal is we want ethical capitalists and we want realistic capitalists right pragmatic capitalists just like we want pragmatic voters and we want pragmatic leaders is that we're not all going to agree on stuff that the trick is that we don't have to agree but we should attempt to be at least uh cordial and considerate of others right? And so, at at the end of the day, you may disagree with us, but that doesn't mean that you have to hate us. We just agree to disagree and learn from each other. So, hopefully, that's been the opportunity of the day, and that's the opportunity that you continue to take out into the community. So, we're out of time for now. Matt, how do they reach us at E2? 541-375-0898. All right, King. You can also send us email at info at littlejohnfs.com, and check out the webpage if you want more info about the team, how we operate, how we can help. Uh, so that's www.littlejohnfs.com, uh, and but we're out of time for now. So until next time, this has been David Littlejohn and Matt Dixon, and you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio ninety three FM and twelve forty KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.